Hey, check, check, check. Call Steve Witherup. Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile. Hello? What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Uh... Not You're much. very tired, right? Oh, not much <laughs> is going on. Just it's yeah. been pretty normal. Couple of couple weeks back to back, just been pretty chill. Uh, you know, like they're probably you know, twenty twenty so far has just been as boring and ordinary, especially for you as it could be, right? You just lose track of time some it's just like the same old, same old every day. Right. Yeah. So what's been the uh so what's the latest then? of the normal things. Well, just in the long list of normal things, uh, Chelsea, my wife brought a human being into the world out of her body, a new one, a new human. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A little girl was born into the Phillips house. It is extremely, extremely strange. Um, my eyes, Told you a couple of days ago, my eyes have seen things that uh, I don't know if we're supposed to see. <laughs> well, yeah, I um, I'm just glad to hear that it it went well. I mean, you've talked to about it, you know, to some degree in a lot of different settings, but of course, Zeke's birth was far from smooth. Oh, you know, extremely. I mean, extremely to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah, and not even just, well, not to belittle anybody's experience, but, you know, some people that talk to their birth as being traumatic, it's, you know, this was, this was very, very close. And yeah. so that being said, you know, of course, you went into this one with some little bit levels or higher levels of anxiety, I'm sure, than than people whose first birth went smoothly. And I'm just glad to hear that everything just went well. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's extremely um, like you know, it's very sensitive going into it. Very like trying to, I don't know, stay, stay calm and stay whatever. Um, and then you get there, and it's like, I don't know, it's just a very, I don't like the, uh, I don't like to use, and especially I don't like to overuse the word triggering, but it was a very sort of like uh, opening up a raw nerve or uh, opening up a scab or something kind of a experience initially. And, um, but you know, the outcome helps you process everything that happened, I guess. And even, I mean, I used to say that with Zeke too. Like it was an hor it was like a horrifying experience and uh, not one that you ever want to go through in your life. But, you know, on the other side of it, we have a healthy kid named Zeke and it helps you process everything that happened. Um, so this one was just like, I don't know. It was extremely, um, there, there were some hiccups. There were some things that were not ideal. Um, like there were some, some things that were similar to last time in the sense that there was like, uh, not to get too like in the weeds with medical stuff, but, um, she had, meconium stuff as well which is what Zeke was his main thing that uh that caused everything to happen for him 
And so there was some of that stuff, but man, by and large, it was just like a very traditional birth experience. And, um, so in that way, we're getting to kind of experience what normal is, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I know there's not one normal birth story, but the one, you know, in broad terms, yes, it was, it was smooth and normal. Well, I mean, with Zeke, uh, I don't, I mean, you fill in the blanks, but, you know, after he was born, you were, Chelsea and he were at different places, right? Yeah. So he, I mean, for anybody that doesn't know it, I, I won't go too far into it, but like, um, he had severe meconium aspiration. He had a pneumothorax, which I think is, uh, when your lung bursts because of that, he had severe, severe pneumonia, um, he was put on the most intense ventilator you can get put on. He was uh, rushed to another NICU that was more uh, intense than the one that we were in. And for, you know, for four days, they couldn't really give us any, like, you know, hey, he's going to he's gonna make it. And so, and then Chelsea had had a traumatic experience and um, lost a lot of blood. She had to stay in the hospital that we started in. And so for days... They were separated, and I was able to drive back and forth a little bit. Um, but yeah, so it was it was you know just to just to be able to hold your baby when they come out was like right a novel thing for us. Yeah, isn't it? So okay, so just because a word gets either overused or used in the wrong context doesn't mean that at its core it isn't still a thing, you know. So like you mentioned the idea of you know being triggered or whatever isn't it's it's a strange thing when it genuinely happens isn't it like oh man. i mean I, rem- I you know it, it to walk in a hospital is is a hard thing for a lot of people i mean it you know the sights the smells and all of it if it's attached to negative experiences yeah i mean it's uh you know, I tried to go into it. Can you hear Maggie in the background? I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you when you go into something, uh, I, I tried to like frame it in a certain way in my mind. Like you know, God, it's like uh, Richard Rohr's thing. God comes to comes to us disguised as our life. Like this is this is an opportunity for like growth or progression, you know, like to make your way through this and to wade through it. And so I was trying to be present, not just like, you know, kind of fake my way through it or whatever and uh, feel whatever I was going to feel and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I was really surprised because I, I, I went into it thinking that I was uh, pretty much fine, you know, like I, I'm just going to, I'm going to get through this and it'll be fine. And, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't feel like that it does like human emotion that is subconscious and things that are uh you know fears and anxiety and all that kind of stuff like it doesn't it does not operate rationally it does not fit within the confines of like uh this is how i think this is going to happen and so i'm going to make it happen this way right yeah man it's uh not to do the pastoral thing and transition, you know, in an awkward way, but it's like, it, it literally is 
you know, experiencing the totality of what it means to be human, like, you know, the oh, whole yeah. human experience, um, whether it's birth, whether it's a traumatic birth or, you know, in whatever form it comes to us in, we all at some point will be faced with the areas of what it means to be human that we would prefer not to venture into. For sure. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I had a lot of stuff that we've been talking about kind of reverberating inside my head during the whole process. Like even from the start of it, Chelsea's water broke at three o'clock in the morning and we're loading up a car to go to the hospital. Because it absolutely has never broken it, you know, <laughs> 9am. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Yeah. I, I had Chelsea's been nesting like crazy before it. And, uh, so I, I'd been up from like, I'd spent from like 11 to 2am just cleaning the house, like trying to finish everything. Cause I just had the <laughs> feeling like, man, like this is going to be close and we need to finish this stuff. And so, uh, I showered and jumped in bed and it's like two thirty, two forty five or something. <laughs> and, uh, I lay down. Chelsea's like, I think I'm, I might be having some little bit of contractions. And, uh, I'm like, well, do you, I mean, are you good? Do you need to go now? Or can we <laughs> just a couple minutes? No. And so she's like, no, it's fine. It's, you know, it is, this takes a long time. And, you know, 11 seconds later, she's like, oh, my water just broke. And the <laughs> contractions were intense. So I was like, all right, well, I guess, uh, sleep is for the week. And so, <laughs> Anyway, but the, the thing that I, so we're loading up the carts four o'clock in the morning and I kept thinking about the last one of these that we did and we were talking about, uh, early in the morning, you know, and mm -hmm. like, well, it's still dark. And so it was just such a, I don't know. I, I had several moments and it's work that I've done with Ricky, my spiritual director and all that kind of stuff is trying to be like awake and aware of things as they're happening, like trying to tap into being in the moment or whatever. And so I, de I definitely felt like this is, this is what resurrection feels like. This kind of like, there's fear, there's uh, excitement, there's like, there, it's just everything all at once. And um, I thought about that. I thought about uh, the, the idea of something being hard and because it's hard and because it's grueling and because there's fear and terror and all that, um, you know, the whole thing from a few weeks ago, wherever sorrows or wherever struggle is deepened, like joys can be heightened as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like, I think the joys are able to be heightened uniquely because of the fear and sorrow and everything else that's present. So yeah. anyway, I've just been thinking about a bunch of all of that stuff. I mean, when we're open to it, it's amazing how, those sorts of things actually do translate into real experiences and like, you know, embodied experiences and, you know, the life that you live is not detached from these, you know, abstract theological thoughts about Easter and, you know, Oh, um, and it is a practice. It, like it is a, it is a real, like, uh, it doesn't matter how, uh, articulate or not. I can say all this stuff, which is probably the least articulate way of saying that, but, uh, it, it doesn't matter when you're in the middle of it. Like it, it's like all of these thoughts and ideas can help 
pull you into making the decision or like giving you the opportunity to live into this experience faithfully, but it doesn't do the work for you. Like it is, it is a genuine, I like the, the word practice for that. Hmm. Yeah. And especially, I mean, I, you know, I know, I know it's an easy thing to go to and it's a bit cliche, but it's like the birth of a child, like has about as a good opportunity to experience all of that as any other thing. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, like you talk about, you talk about participant, and of course, more so to the one giving the birth. So, you know, I watched Beth have four. I completely understand that. But to whatever degree we get to also participate in that, it's like through suffering is birthed this amazing divine thing, you For know, sure. and and no part of that is detached from the thing that produces the joy on the other side of it. And, um, I, you know, and some people, and it's, it's like you alluded to, it's different for different people. And so if it's easy to talk about things like this in hindsight, in a way that almost, uh, makes it feel like your experience was idealistic and like, I, um, I was so uniquely present through and throughout this that, you know, I'm a changed or transformed person where other people were like embarrassed because boy, the birth of my child didn't do anything for me, you know? Right. So I, I understand it, it is different, but like I was, uh, I was listening, John Philip Newell was talking about his, uh, he had a grandson born, his son-in-law, I think he's profess. I don't know. I think he professes to be an atheist. I can't remember, but he's very spiritual type person. But anyway, he said that uh, on the drive home from seeing his child, he had to continually pull over because he couldn't see through the tears. And he told John Philip Newell that it's because uh, he saw the face of God. You know, there's, it's just, it's loaded. It's well, to use the obvious uh, term, it's so pregnant with possibility to experience the way that the divine works into the world. It, it's cliche as like a as like a moment of wonder or whatever because it it happens to so many people and like you know I think people shy away from talking about it. Um, but like if yeah, if you can't get tapped into mystery or wonder or awe like watching a human being like bring forth another human being out of themselves that like (laughs) you know to watch a human being take their first breath and the whole process of you know agony and writhing and all that goes along with it is uh i don't know i've been listening to Roar's podcast about um, this coronavirus being sort of like a global initiation kind of moment or whatever. And so he's been talking about like male initiation and all the stuff that he has done, the work that he's done. But like that is an initiation moment. Like it is, you know, you're stretched to the end of yourself. You are wrestling and grappling with mortality and with the fear of what can happen to both mom and baby during it. You are like 
forced into existential questions about what the meaning of life is and like it 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 just pulls you into all of those kinds of conversations internally and externally and um yeah so it's it's a it's a really beautiful thing and 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 like exactly like you said cuz my lord like it, i'm only experiencing a fraction of what chelsea experienced you know right it's and, happening and, in her yeah and that to me it's it's the thing that we don't necessarily think about it in this clear cut of a way in the moment but it's it's something that ins- instinctually draws us to be fascinated by it because the idea of um the idea of co-suffering producing life that like it's so foundational to who we are that we can't help but be drawn to it so like you know i i know there's it's hard to know exactly what happens but you know the baby in that moment is suffering you know big time um, is is and is co-suffering and is pushing and is, is striving to get to to be born and of course you know but that pales in comparison to the the amount that the the mother is suffering and so it's just this co-suffering and in the baby's mind it's probably thinking that it's doing all the work and in right. the, the mother's mind she's probably thinking i wish this baby would help more <laughs> but but the beautiful thing is that that co-suffering produces something so amazing on the other side and again it's something that it's so instinctual we know it and so we're drawn to it i was so funny the other night and not to compare this to actual you know the birth of your daughter but so we we have had baby goats born recently and um and for whatever reason beth thinks it's a good idea to uh live stream it a lot of times and (laughs) so the other night fyi (laughs) There's never been a time I scrolled past something faster than that. Just well, <laughs> instantly, which contradicts the point that I was about to make about that and our fascination <laughs> with it. Because what's <laughs> what's funny is, yes, you wouldn't think like, why would you do that? And like, I, but um, I was sitting in uh, with the the boys. It was probably like eleven or eleven thirty the other night, and all of a sudden I start getting bombarded with text messages from people that I don't often text with, but you know, I know in their contacts, but the reason I was getting bombarded was because they were uh, through texts yelling at me to go out and check on Beth because her live feed just dropped and they wanted to like, (laughs) and there was this enormous group that was just fascinated by watching this, baby goat be born and of course it's kind of cool whatever but i I think it's deeper than that you know um uh, people other than you no you're exactly right i mean the (laughs) whole world watched a giraffe for like over the course of like weeks that was pregnant and like finally was able to give birth there is something about it i mean you know if all of creation is sacred and whatever like a goat giving birth means there is new life into the world without question yeah and it's it's a microcosm of the larger story that we're all deeply deeply immersed in the truth that we're deeply immersed in of of co-suffering bringing forth new expressions of life well and and paying attention to those moments i mean 
even if even if you didn't have the words to be like, well, I, I didn't experience all of that in the moment. Like I didn't think about the, you know, the the wonder of being alive. I didn't think about the how strange this is cosmically. I just was kind of excited the baby was born. Well, mm-hmm. like I, I was talking to Ricky a few days ago. Um, well, I don't know when it was. Time doesn't make sense. But uh, we were talking about, because Richard Rohr wrote a piece about uh, seeing the back of God, like Moses seeing the back of God or whatever. And mm-hmm. he was, and his point was, Rohr said that God, um, he can only look backwards and see that God was working. And like, so Ricky was like, I think he stole your point because I always say that God only <laughs> makes sense to me in retrospect. You know, like I can only ever look back and say, oh, well, God was clearly doing this or that or whatever. And wow. I think, um, you know, the, the, the Abraham Heschel quote, Abraham Joshua Heschel quote that I say all the time is like, uh, is that he defines faith as a faithfulness to a time when we once had faith, like a time that uh, God was so obvious that he doesn't, that he didn't need the name God basically. And then to stay faithful to that experience or whatever. And so you're not wrestling theologically or philosophically with things in a moment like that. You're just like, it's, you're just completely open to, this beautiful and captivating and gut-wrenching experience that's in front of you. And then in retrospect, you look back and you say, that was a holy thing, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and so I, the, the thing that became apparent to me or whatever, when I was talking to Ricky was that if God only makes sense to me in retrospect, I think the, the task in the moment is to have faith that God's working now and I'll just f- figure it out later. You know, it's like, it's being being willing and being open to whatever's happening, like to just exactly what is. And then in the future, having faith that you'll sort it out, you know, that God will show himself or herself to you as you are uh, kind of reminiscing on that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, signs of of growth involve again not like there's nothing that we explain in real time, and so but but a sign of growth is is just understanding the way that God, like you said, is simply present and at work at every moment in every way. And so, and, and it goes beyond just a simple intellectual recognition of that. Yeah. It changes the way that you are open to participate in those moments that you're given. Yes. Yeah. So Christian Wyman takes that Heschel quote and says that faith then is this, uh, tenuous and tenacious discipline of memory and hope. So like we, you know, we faithfully try to remember the things that have happened to us and that we see God present in. And then the hope that pulls us forward is that like in these moments that we're experiencing now and the moments that are to come, like God will still be present beyond 
our ability our ability to understand or uh, figure out what God is doing in those moments. Yeah, it's the downside of the whole be present movement or, you know, um, and of course it's extremely valuable and, you know, to the degree that it speaks to things like, you know, put up your phone and get to know your kids type thing. Um, it's so valuable, but, but it shouldn't be at the expense of getting rid of memory and imagination, Yeah, you know, because it, it does it all, it all fits. Um, and you, and you and do have, part. you do have decisions to make. I mean, even last night, um, last night really sucked in a lot of ways. Uh, like Maggie was up a lot. Uh, Zeke got up right. I mean, just, it, you know, like perfect Murphy's law kind of thing, right. When Maggie had just fallen asleep and he was, you know, asking for every, every item that exists <laughs> on earth, uh, and and my tone has changed with him. Like I want water. I don't care. I don't care that you want water. That's that's how I feel in this moment. Uh, but before before any of that, uh, I was holding Maggie, and I was like playing Tetris on my phone or something. Chelsea was going to do something, and I I'm like, am I holding a hours old baby playing Tetris right now? Like <laughs> like what are you? And then I just you know like had a choice to get into that place of thinking like, and then I just went in this crazy, you know, uh, trail in my mind of what are you going to become? Like who, who are you in there? Like what is, what is happening? Like it's just a, yeah, it's, it is a life as a teacher or whatever. And like that, this whole thing just, it's a very, consciousness expanding soul expanding kind of experience the whole thing um i, I trust that your uh, your response to that teaching moment was uh giving kelsey or giving maggie to chelsea and so that you could concentrate on tetris i got I, i'm i'm <laughs> on a i'm on a heater here i got i'm close to a high score so i just rolled right, her off I, in the <laughs> middle of the bed you figure it out maggie do your best because i'm what am i doing with this distraction <laughs> uh <laughs> One thing, one thing that like, I don't know, I th- I think why it's so powerful or whatever is that, is that the experience is so like just physical bodily, like it is the the whole thing from nine months of pregnancy. Obviously, Chelsea experiencing that, uh, all of that, and I'm like just on the sidelines. The birth experience, same thing, and then now the just lack of sleep, the constant holding the the it is just such a human and physical thing and like i don't know i I, we've talked for 16 seconds outside of this and we promised each other that we wouldn't uh we wouldn't edit this or or uh allow ourselves to go down rabbit trails and see where they go so if this is not a smooth transition then who cares uh but we we were talking about the lectionary text, which I haven't even I haven't even confirmed that it is this. Steve just tells me that it's the uh, doubting Thomas text or whatever from the Gospels. But you said that something, I think that you were you know like some thought that you had that was kind of in in line with that. Can can you pivot into that, or or read the text or something? Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, we can do that. No um, editing, Steve. Don't. That's right. Don't pause. Oh, that's time why you asked me. <laughs> that's why you asked me to read it this week because <laughs> all the listeners should know. Like you have thirty attempts at just simply reading the text before you get to one that you can use. Steve is not uh, is not lying at this point. I, <laughs> for whatever reason, last week or the week before, I just lost the ability to read. Like it was like I was so thankful it wasn't live. <laughs> not that anybody would care, but it, I don't know. Right. Uh, we just need to get a hold of Ben's tapes. <laughs> the, uh, he has James Earl Jones reading the Bible on tape, cassette tape. So, yeah, I just, I just sound like a, uh, like fat Southern boy and James Earl Jones <laughs> is available to us. So, all right. Well, yeah, let's, like you already said, this just probably going to be a little bit shorter due to circumstances on your end. A um, little bit disjointed, but we're gonna we we want to be consistent with putting these out during these times of not being able to gather. So yeah, I'll just read the text and then we can just probably talk briefly. And it is not an awkward transition from what we had been talking about into a lot of you know about a lot of what's going on in here. So it's a uh, John um, 20, I believe 19, 19 through 29. So, and this was after, this was right after the, what we talked about last week with the whole uh, Mary Magdalene um, story of having uh, Jesus appearing to her in the garden of her sticking around to, uh, to witness the, be the first witness to the resurrected Jesus. So 19 through 29 that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you. He said, as he spoke, <laughs> you know, you know, those church laughs were like, you know, you can't laugh. I knew I was going to start laughing. Through this. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I have see I have no idea because I knew I couldn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. No edits. Uh, all right, peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, "Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you." Then he breathed on them and said, "Receive the Holy Spirit." If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound on, in my side. Don't be, a, don't be faithless any longer, but believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. I love so, that passage. Yeah, no, 
Uh, yes, absolutely. It's, you know, it's part of the continuation of, of the Easter story. I mean, it's, it, it's easy to kind of get to fall into the trap of, um, seeing this, this story is of course, leading up to good Friday and Easter and, and having then the resurrection be the climactic moment of, of the Jesus story. And then kind of go back to just either, I don't know, reading Paul for guidance or the teachings of Jesus or something, but it's it to, to skip the next couple of weeks is to not understand the Easter story. Like, um, what do you do in light of resurrection? Because the disciples are locked behind closed doors. Because if they killed Jesus, uh, they might be coming for us. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so it's, I think it was last week or whatever you alluded to the fact that it, there is an enormous so what attached to it. And, uh, and it's not the end. So it's like, okay, Jesus proved he was God by raising him, you know, by being raised to the dead, like, okay. So, you know, again, so what, I mean, there's, there's this continuation that goes on through Jesus breathing on his disciples, the realization that these wounds were present in the resurrected body. And then, um, you know, John doesn't show it, but the ascension is also part of this and what that story means. And then um, Acts then tells again, the giving of the spirit that we read about here in John 20. So it's all, it's all part of not giving this really clear answer, but it really genuinely speaks to the, the now what or the, so what to the resurrected Jesus. Um, So I don't know, man, a couple of thoughts that I, I, that we could go through um, just briefly or, and see where it goes is like, and I, I've said this a lot in different settings, whatever, but it just is so powerful to me that that the the resurrected Jesus is not without the wounds. Yeah, it, it, like it it speaks to because because this is this is the logical conclusion of the incarnation because you know when we speak of when we when we talk about the incarnation. Like we talk about a fully embodied spirit, right? Or right. a fully embodied God or, you know, the divine becoming fully embodied. And what does that mean? Like the fully embodied human is the Messiah. And that means to fully embrace everything that it means to be a human being. And, and that means, as one person has put it, to embrace the horrors of, of you know, the, 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 the worst that is possible. Like, so going back, I mean, the, the you know, the, the Cain story, like all of it, the, you know, the ability to, to embody hell on earth, all of that is part of this. And so in order to, become the fully incarnate one you can't avoid that you have to go through that so like 
you know, even going back then to the temptation stories and, and I've used this term as well. And so I'm not saying it's necessarily wrong, but a lot of times we'll say things like at the temptation stories, Jesus was deciding what kind of Messiah or what kind of King he wants to be. But it's not even a question because if he chooses to avoid the worst of this, and, and if he chooses to not fully embrace all of this life expression, including the horrors, then he's no Messiah at all because he was not the fully incarnate one. So it's not a choice of what type of Messiah, but am I really going to do this? Am I really going to be the incarnated one? And what we find in in this moment with, with Jesus showing the wounds, like he did it and he's on the other side of that. His light, his love, it overcame the worst that we have to offer the world. And 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 that wounds and resurrection are are present together. Like it it still is the fullness of humanity on the other side of it. Like God God elevates Jesus to the highest place because he becomes obedient to death on the cross. And so on the other side of it, those wounds and the reminder of the fullness of humanity that he took on himself is present. Yes. And the other side of that then is the invitation into the same experience. Because so he breathes on the disciples, this this fully incarnate, fully resurrected Jesus then breathes into the disciples, the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a reminder, like with the incarnation, the fully embodied spirit. That's what's happening to these disciples, that they're being invited to participate as fully embodied spirits. Yes. You know, what, go ahead. I, I mean, the the thing that jumps out to me on in this text, and it's in line with what you're saying, is like, is that Jesus offers the invitation to like, to to not just see and believe, but like to touch and experience and believe. And so, you know, Jesus te- treats Thomas with with tenderness. You know, like he is, he's not separate from it. He's not uh, trying to make him into like, I don't know, some blind faith kind of thing. I know this is sort of a trite reading of it or or a common reading of it or whatever, but it is the thing that I like choke up about every time I read this is that like he's he wants him to come to me and and to experience this. Yeah, and he knows that Thomas's experience would be a less than experience if he didn't fully embrace and experience what resurrection meant. Like he, he, he doesn't could, say feel my halo, feel, feel like, right. Like l- look at the aura around me and see that I'm glowing and I'm God. It's, it's feel these wounds. And this is what resurrection is going to be like for you too, by the way, like you're not getting through it without these scars. Well, the invitation is to carry your cross, you know, <laughs> right, right. Like, and this is pick up, pick up this this emblem of suffering knowing that there is resurrection on the other side of that or it's a path it's not arbitrary suffering for for suffering's sake or just you know or to earn a, an arbitrary reward it's it's the it's the path to 
greater expressions of life. It's it is the shape of Christian faith. It is it, it there's there's no path outside of it. And so the the ones that are called to and well before I say this I want it I always feel like I have to add this as a little caveat because anytime we start talking about this it's like I never want to strip away the uniqueness of Jesus's experience in this or the central um it's because of Jesus that all yes. of this is possible for us of course right it wasn't yes Parenthetical, it wasn't just that Jesus is like, see, I could pick up this rock, so you can too. He wasn't just an example, you know. Right. Um, and I think that sometimes it can be interpreted as though uh, that's kind of what I'm saying, but it, absolutely not. But but so these disciples then who were invited to once again be fully, in, you know, embodied humans after receiving this the same breath of life that, that Adam uh, that the first human received in the garden, that's a, it's a recreation of that. It's like, once again, own your humanity, pick up your cross, own your humanity and, and be these Christ witnesses to the world, knowing that it involves very, it very much involves wound producing work. Um, well, and the it's, there's, there's always a so what on the other side of it. And so, it yes, it, Jesus is unique in this. We want to elevate him as Christ and Lord and all of the, those things. But there's, you know, the Son of God uh, enables us and empowers us, us to be the sons of, and daughters of God. And so the spirit that's blown on us is not just for some kind of abstract identity that we, we just never do anything with it's like pick up your cross and you know feed the hungry and open blind eyes and bring justice in the world all of these things are like it that is what all of this is for well even and and even more so because it it it's sin forgiving power like that's strange like so so jesus in the midst of giving this breath, he says twice, peace be with you, shalom. I mean, that wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, um, you know, a, uh, a greeting. It's not just saying, Hey, peace or hello. <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> you know, this, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, this, this shalom to you, like this presence, this, this animating spirit that I'm about to, um, to, to breathe onto you. This is Shalom presence in a sense. Um, and so as the father has sent me, I am sending you. So receive this Shalom presence, this Holy spirit and go and forgive sins. Now I was I, like, we don't obviously have time to get into all of that, but uh, in, well, exhaust those thoughts, I guess, but, but th- here's a couple of little tidbits on that. So if we, so the, why do we have a problem with that? Like one, you know, as far as being commissioned to forgive sins, because I think a lot of it, think about it in terms of um, a, a priestly duty, like a, a modern day priestly duty. It's like humans can't forgive sins. But but I think that's it's the wrong starting point because that's viewing sin as like, um, OK, you get to decide who goes to heaven is is what. A lot of people see that as. And so we have a problem with how could we 
have that authority, or how could these disciples have that authority? But the but, text is there, and the text says what it says, so we have right. to at least contend with it. Of course, but but what is sin, though? So that's that's the thing. Like sin, I mean, we've we, so many of us have heard this. This is this is a missing of the mark. This is a detachment from wholeness. That right? which breaks up shalom. Yes, and so this spirit of peace, like what is the what is forgiveness of sins? Then what is this commission? Is it just to simply give these random? I'm like. Okay, I think that you're sorry. I think that you know you apologize, so you're okay. No, it's to be the agents of peace. actually, yes, and to be the agents of sin, he, like of healing work. Like the opposite of uh, of the of the sin of the missing the mark is salvation. It's it's salve. It's healing. Yes. It's it's being those embodied peacemaking agents. And it's not just – so it's like it's – and it's not just um, – I don't know. It, this is – it's world – it's a world-building commission. Like it, it's the commission given to, to the first human in the garden. It's like they received this spirit of life and, and were told to, to learn the world, to – um, expand its borders of fruitfulness to work in conjunction with this place that God has made and ordained for us to to uh, manage and and participate in. And this is a recommissioning of the human beings. And that's so much more. That's so much more than than. Just stop being like, you know, your sins are forgiven. Now stop being bad. It's like, my goodness, you're invited to be the ones where this spirit of life resides. Now go do that type of world building work. It's the what? Takum alone, the Jewish idea of world healing. I mean, I want to scream because this is, this is it. Like, it's so it's so much better of a commission than just some vague evangelistic kind of thing that that carries nothing along with it other than like colonizing people into saying a prayer. It's it's way more than just uh, the spirit being poured out so that a lot of people can speak in tongues and have spiritual gifts. It is that all of that stuff, both evangelism, uh, the spirit empowering, or the spirit. Uh, being spirit filled or whatever is caught up within, like go build a new world with the wind of God in you. Yeah, it's the guiding presence that leads us in how to participate in this. So, like, if you think about, so if you think about resurrection and metaphor, you know, a lot of people and uh, would, or some people would think about as like, you know, my my vocation needs to experience resurrection or my relationship needs to, you know, experience, um, resurrection or whatever. And they need, you know, metaphorically, like it needs to go from death to life. And so if someone's speaking vocationally, it's, it's like, I don't feel like my vocation is blessed. It's dead. And now it's like, I'm going to immerse myself in prayer so that it will be blessed, right. you know, but, but the problem is, I, I think a lot of us, think of it in it's almost like 
so much of what we do in the world is equivalent to drilling small holes into the bottom of a boat. And <laughs> so, but, but we pray for blessing upon that in a sense. So like, I want. <laughs> Lord, right now, we just pray that you would open up the windows of heaven as I drill this small hole in this boat, the only boat we've got. Right. So like, um, my, my, boat hole drilling business is not thriving. And so it needs to experience resurrection. So I pray for the metaphorical expression of this. So take this from death to life, God, and help me to make a million dollars as a, as a boat hole driller, you know, but it's like, no, it's, it's, (laughs) that's my favorite. I want to make a a children's book about this. (laughs) I get made fun of because of my, uh, like, bad story examples of things a lot of times from my kids. But it's I think perfect. That is <laughs> like, like I will not add one word to it. It's just perfect. <laughs> because the point obviously is like to be fully like to accept this invitation to pick up your cross, you know, to, to with the spirit's presence, go through this suffering through this, horror of of an existence at times you know but experience the joy like but but to actually do it i mean it's it's so much more than just being blessed you know it's 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 changing the way that we approach our human vac- vocation um and it makes us think about it in completely different ways if we realize our call to be spirit embodied people communities i i couldn't i could not possibly agree more with this and i think it's so important and freeing and like if you if you are struggling with finding purpose or what to do like i hope that that means i hope that like fills you with potential possibility like a, a drive to get in on that because that's the work that God's doing in the world that we get to join in and partner with. Here's a, here's another bad example that I was and and it's not really, the conversation wasn't centered around this, but something a little bit different, but I think it's applicable. (laughs) You know, those, you know, those words that I always try to find different words if I don't know how to pronounce them, but I went for it. It's applicable. I like it. I did it. Yeah. Nobody's applicable. Okay. But anyway, so, you know, a lot of times our view of God has become, so picture, picture desert on one side. (laughs) And this, this isn't where you think it's going. If you've grown up in church and you know, you've heard a different example out of this, but there's desert on one side, there's a ravine and there's fruitfulness. There's the potential for fruitfulness on the other side. The Christian church has so often cons- uh, thought that their task is simply to pray in the desert and stop people from behaving, quote unquote, badly, because bad behavior is the thing that is preventing God from building that bridge toward the potential fruitfulness. And so the commission or the church's task is just to simply stop 
what is stopping God from building the bridge. But the commission from God is to be spirit-filled, spirit-led people who build that bridge. Does that you're on make fire. sense? Yeah, you're yeah. on fire. That's perfect. It's, and it's it's subtle, and but it's it's extremely. It, it's just it couldn't be more opposing understandings of the human call. I don't think it's in, subtle at all. I think it is foundationally different. I think it is exactly what. I mean, all of this under understanding of what sin really is and what then holiness is on the other side of it. It is not something abstract so that God will uh, find us uh, holy or worthwhile or whatever, but it is it is for, like, uh, holiness, sin, whatever, all of it is, is within the context of how we're going to do it, building that bridge into, you know, what is good and true and fruitful and real and all of that. Yeah. So how do we end? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I just text <laughs> Chelsea because I, I, I just I feel like an hourglass. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Like, like <laughs> if I was her right now, because I just full candor, like she's nursing and so I slept more hours than she should, you know, than she did that and more hours than I should have last night. And I'm just, I'm just imagining like seething anger, and I'm just like, God is so good, and yeah. and the Spirit is so present. And she's like, you idiot. Yeah. Oh, babe, the Spirit was moving, and that was just what a great time we just had. She just no, it, She just turns into Bertrand Russell, and she's just like, I don't care about any of this. Yeah. The thing that you need to learn. And take, you know, take this from a father of four is you have to learn how to pretend you are more tired than you are uh, because don't you dare show up looking chipper ever. Chris, like, I got a crisp yeah. eight hours. I'm feeling good. <laughs> no, I've just told her, I'm like, you know, I can't do much in the night. I'll do whatever. I'm just like literally during the daytime hours that I can do things. I'm just like, I am actually your slave, whatever you want me to do. Because, I, I mean, I feel horrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, before we just keep rambling, why don't you pray for us? And we are so excited for you and uh, just can't wait for this whole thing to leave so we can meet Maggie. Yes. I'm, I'm hugging every person alive the moment I'm allowed to. <laughs> Do not care. Indiscriminately. Uh Anyway, Lord, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you um, that over and over again, every rock we overturn, every door we open, every corner we walk around, we keep finding you again and again and again. Thank you, Lord, that you're present to us. Thank you, Lord, that resurrection is possible. Um, I pray, God, that you would help us uh, figure out what it means to be the people of God in the world, in this really crazy, wild world we're living in. Pray that we'd be worth something. Um, pray God that you would help us, uh, as we try to figure out how to be people of the spirit, Lord, as you fill us up with your spirit, Lord, help us to be sent out, uh, to be bridge builders towards Shalom and towards everything that's good and true. Help us to not participate, uh, in fruitless things and not just fruitless as if it was a, a neutral thing, but in the, like, like drilling holes into the bottom of a boat, just like actively bringing about um, 
the opposite of shalom in the world. Help us to not be blinded to our own egos and our own ignorance, our own ways that we participate in things that are evil or unjust. And um, yeah, fill us up with your spirit, Lord, and help us to be spirit people in the world. And uh, we pray that your kingdom would come, your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Um, I'm going to push the stop record button, and I'm going to not allow myself to edit this because that will take hours. Uh, do you have any Do you have any parting words for everyone? Uh, just miss everyone, love everyone, and uh, that's it. I thought it was going to be a joke. That's really disappointing that it was earnest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. This is this is probably a little bit insight into a lot of our conversations. These back and random like theological things to crude humor to oh, you know yeah. just this constant back and forth but, yeah and and with very with very few things that would like be bridges to those things it's just very back and <laughs> forth like yeah anyway all right all right see you buddy. love you man love you too bye